the Lord tonight. Isn't it awesome to be able to come into the house of the Lord on this Sunday night? Praise the Lord. Tonight's going to be a wonderful night in the Lord. I know that. I feel it in my spirit. We've been praying over this service, and we're just believing the Lord to just continually confirm his word and to pour out his Holy Spirit. You know, in the earlier days when we first started preaching, me and my wife, we didn't have uh, any preachers for years and years and years in the church whatsoever. None, zero. When we, we couldn't take vacations. We couldn't do anything because we never had any staff or any preachers that would fill in for us. And I, I, I prayed for years. I said, Lord, if you'll ever send me some preachers, I promise you I'll use them and we'll raise up people for the cause of the kingdom. And for years, that we wasn't privileged with that. I preached every Sunday morning, preached every Sunday night, preached every Wednesday night, taught Sunday school, and then we went to two services. I preached Sunday morning twice, Sunday night, and then Wednesday night, and then all along, uh, here come a few preachers called, and now we got preachers all over the place, and we're so thankful. Can you give the praise for the ministry team that God's raising up at the palace? Amen. And every single one of them are word preachers, and I, 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 I don't want to brag on one more than the other or anything like that. Sister Rhonda was scheduled for tonight. She'd been on my heart for some time, and I prayed, and the Lord gave me the date, and um, uh, it was kind of late getting to her, and, and she kind of panicked there a little bit and said, whoa, whoa, she likes a lot of time. And, uh, but nevertheless, she said, I'll do it. I love people that will do it on the spare of a moment. And um, I, I was thinking because she hadn't showed visible uh, contact with me at the beginning of the service, and it was going on five or ten after, I thought, well, maybe I'll get to preach tonight. And I was sitting there thinking, well, if I was going to preach, what would I preach? Because I haven't had time to really think about this. And all of a sudden, I got to putting this sermon together in my mind. And, um, and I started running the scriptures, and Titus 3 and 5 came to my mind. Uh, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And then all of a sudden I said, now what can I tie to that? This is how preachers think, okay? And I got to thinking, well, what can I tie to that? And all of a sudden, well, I'll go to second, uh, uh, second chapter of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but, uh, but I want you to know that we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves it's the gift of God and not by works lest any man should boast and then I started naming all these scriptures off in my mind and all of them were parallel and I thought God what are you giving me here and I think it's for a future sermon but all of a sudden it came to me it's not about our performance it's about his performance and are you ready to see the performance of God the mighty acts of God tonight you know what the Bible tells us in Psalms 150? He says, praise him for his mighty acts. And I'd like for you to stand to your feet because I'm expecting God to do something here tonight. Can you praise him in advance for his mighty acts that shall be declared and known among his people tonight? Come on, praise him in advance. Let him know you're anticipating, you're expecting. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Hope maketh not ashamed for the love of God shed and abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's work. Hallelujah. It's the Holy Spirit's doing. Amen. Would you welcome tonight one of our greatest preachers in the church, Sister Rhonda Burden, tonight. Bless you, young lady. You take care of that. Well, praise the Lord. My goodness, it has already been a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. The worship and the word this morning, and then we get to follow it up with the worship again in its excellence tonight. And um, Pastor is telling you the truth. He called me late, <laughs> and I do like a lot of time, but nevertheless, nevertheless, the word will go out and the Lord will do with it whatsoever he chooses, correct? He is faithful. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about what I can get up here and deliver to you or how I can get up here and give it to you. It's about what the Lord chooses to do in this house tonight. And I do believe that he's going to speak to us. Um, we're going to say our declaration. If you would stand with me, please. I love when I get to say the declaration because there is power in the declaration. And if you think about what it says, it's the word. It is scripture combined into a paragraph that we get to declare over our lives. Amen? 
All right, Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health healing and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And I'm going to ask Pastor if he would lead us in prayer. Amen. We're going to start off tonight reading a very familiar passage, and it's found in Exodus 1, 1 through 14. Um, and it says, These are the names of the sons of Israel, that is Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their father, each with his family, Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. In all, Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. In time, Joseph and all his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they'll join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work of the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands." Now, what that scripture didn't tell us is that the Israelites, when they first came to Egypt, they came as shepherds, but eventually they became a nation of slaves. We clearly see in the scripture that the Egyptians were afraid that the Israelites would grow in number and they would outpower them. They were afraid that if war broke out, that the Israelites would turn against them and they would win. So taskmasters were assigned the job of breaking the spirit of the one that they sought to control. The job of the taskmasters was to intimidate the people. The root of intimidation is fear. And it's a very common spirit. And it is a spirit. And it's very common that the enemy uses against you and against us. Um... I want to go back to that one sentence that I just read. It says taskmasters were assigned the job of breaking the spirit of the one that they sought to control. That is what the enemy is out to do to you and I. The enemy wants to break you and I down. He wants to wear us out. And he wants, to, he wants us to, to, to be worn out so that we'll sit back and take a back seat so that he can lead this nation. If the enemy can intimidate you, he can keep you from operating in the gifts that God has put in you. 
Another job of the taskmasters was to beat them, to beat them brutally, viciously, and harm them, to come against them physically. That is another strategy that the enemy uses against us. The enemy beats us down again and again, trying to keep us distracted by fighting battles that don't belong to us, but they belong to the Lord. Another job of the taskmasters was to subdue them to the point that they stopped believing that they could live independently of their oppressor. They drove the people to the point of exhaustion so they would no longer be able to defend or think for themselves. That is so common, and it's so common that we, we overlook it. We don't pay attention to that, but I'm going to tell you it is so real. We get so busy that we run here and we run there and we've got to do this and we've got to do that and we don't have time for devotion and we don't have time for prayer and we don't have time for Bible study and we go to bed late and we get up early and we do it all over again and then here comes Friday and then we've got this to do and then we've got that to do and then Sunday comes and we're still tired from the week and we haven't rested and we come in here to teach Sunday school and we come in late. I come in late to running in my class making apologies all the time. But it's where we live. It's the life that we live. We are exhausted. We got to take care of ourselves so that we can be strengthened enough to do the Lord's work. So that our minds will be clear and we can pour into others when God gives us the opportunity. So that we can think straight and be the, the laborers that God has called us to be. The taskmasters made their lives bitter with hard bondage. They were hard-pressed on every side. Everywhere they turned, they were hard-pressed. It was their job to wear them down and to make them weak, weaken their body, weaken their mind, and weaken their spirit. They afflicted them, and they made life burdensome for them. The harder the Egyptians worked them, the more children that the Israelites had. The Egyptians got so so angry and so frustrated with the Israelites. It got to where they just couldn't even stand them anymore and they treated them worse and worse as time went by, crushing them with slave labor. They made them miserable with hard work, forcing them to make bricks and mortar and do back-breaking work in the fields. They piled on the work, crushing them under the cruel workload. Over time, the Israelites began to accept their circumstances. They began to become hopeless, and they accepted that this was their destiny. And for more than 400 years, they took on the mindset of slavery. They came into Egypt as shepherds, but they lost their identity in the process of their journey in Egypt. They no longer saw themselves as shepherds, but they began to see themselves as slaves. The taskmasters wore them down, and they became hopeless. They couldn't see a way out. But they did come out of Egypt. They didn't stay in Egypt. Praise God. The Lord raised up a deliverer and they walked out of Egypt. They were delivered from bondage and slavery. It was up to them to put one foot in front of the other to walk out of Egypt. They had a part in it. They had a part in their deliverance. So often, you and I fall prey to the taskmaster as well. We get so busy doing life that we don't even realize that we're no longer living our best life. We get so boggled down with busyness that we're no longer walking in freedom, but we find ourselves being held by the captive to the things that are temporal. We're working two to three jobs to have the best things in life. We compare ourselves to others, and then we take on more responsibilities to compete with one another we haul our kids off to every sport that we can put them in and we stay busy we go to work and then we come home and we take the kids to practice and we take the kids to ball games every night of the week I'm not against ball games my grandkids play ball games I'm not preaching against ball games I'm saying we keep ourselves so busy doing everything except for the things that we're supposed to be doing. We fall prey to perfectionism and comparison. Those things are not of God. God does not expect you to be perfect. He doesn't expect you to be like the person that you're sitting next to. He created you for your own purpose, for your own destiny, to be your own person, to bring him glory in your own life. We wear ourselves out trying to have the perfect homes, the perfect bodies, and the perfect careers. 
We sacrifice our own health by trying to keep up. And the statistics for suicide are at an all-time high. Divorce, crime, and substance abuse is almost epidemic in our nation. We have two choices. We can stay in Egypt or we can choose to trust in the rock of our salvation to deliver us from all of our troubles and do what the Israelites did and honor the word of God, walk out of captivity, and walk into freedom. It's not God's plan for you to live in defeat, beat up by the taskmasters of life. Mentally, physically, and emotionally, we're exhausted. We are tired. But the Lord has made a way for you, and he's made a way for me. He has come to set us free. And this next scripture that I'm going to read has become one of my favorite scriptures and one of my favorite verses because, well, you'll know. The New King James Version of Isaiah 52 and 2 says, Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in a place of honor. Remove the chains of slavery from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. I'm going to read the NLT version because I like what it says. It says, Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in a place of honor. Well, it says the same thing, doesn't it? Sorry. Okay. So if you think about that, if you stop and think about what that scripture is saying, what does that mean? When I first read that scripture, I thought, that doesn't even make sense to me. Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in a place of honor. How can you rise and sit? You rise and you sit. Where does the dust come from? It comes from the ground. God has not destined you to be on the ground rolling around in the dust getting dirty. God has destined you to stand up. And position yourself in the kingdom of God. Position yourself in the body to be who God has created you to be. Come up out of that dust. Sit in the place of honor. And I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, if if we were having this conversation today, in today's times, I think it would go something like this. I think the Lord would say, come up here, daughter. Come up here. Come up out of that ground. That's not where your destiny's at. That's not where your purpose is at. Son, I want you to come up from there. That's not where you belong. You're not going to find freedom down there under your feet, wallowing around in the dirt. When I've made you clean, you don't have a reason to be laying down there on the ground getting all dusty and dirty. This is where you belong. You belong seated in the place of honor because I have called you out and I have redeemed you and I have bought you with a price. And because you're my daughter of the king, your royalty so you can sit up here in a place of honor let's honor you you don't belong down there your destiny and your purpose isn't down there your freedom is not down there your freedom is up here doing what I've called you to do knowing your place and serving me in the way that I've positioned you to you belong in a place of honor you don't belong down there with the humility and the shame. The scripture says, remove the chains from your neck. You remove the chains from your neck. That's what the scripture says. The chains are holding you back. They're weighing you down. And when I read this scripture, I got to thinking, the chains from your neck. At work, I have this lanyard. It's a necklace. It's real pretty. And it's got this thing on it. It's a snap. Women know what it is. Men might not know what it is. But you can interchange it to to match your outfit or whatever. And I wear that. And sometimes at the end of the day, I'm thinking, my neck is just sore. My neck is hurting. And I take that off. And it is such a relief. And when I read the scripture, I think about that. I have the power to take that off. You have the power to take the chains of slavery off your neck. We put things on that don't belong on us. It might look pretty for a while, but it's not there for for anything good. It might look pretty for a little while, and it might feel good for a little while, but it's weighing you down, and it's holding you back. And those are the things that God wants to take, that God wants you to remove from yourself. He empowers you and enables you to do that. When I was reading this and studying this and I was thinking about things that we put on around our neck that weigh us down, fear, intimidation, and I think the Lord would say, listen, depression's not your color. 
Addiction's not your color. Shame doesn't look good on you. Take that off your neck. It doesn't belong on you. Humiliation isn't becoming to you. It doesn't bring glory to my name. Take that off your neck. You don't have to carry that around. Remove it from yourself because it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a captive to sin. You are no longer a slave to your past. You are no longer a slave to sin, but you are a captive of Zion. Do you know what that means, that you are a captive of Zion? To be a captive means I belong to something. Something's got me held in. Something's got me hewn in. And it's holding me. And I read that and I thought about sometimes when I'm playing with my grandkids. And my youngest, he's a little wild thing. And you all know that. And I'll get a hold of him and he's trying to get away from me. And I'll just squeeze him and I'll hug him and kiss him. And and that's what I think about when I think about this scripture. I'm holding him captive. Captive, captivated by my love. I'm not letting him go because I love him and I want to show him love and I want to show him affection. And I'm just showing him so much affection. But Zion, the ancient Hebrew word Zion is a Canaanite hill fortress in Jerusalem captured by David and it's known as the city of David. Zion also means mountain or the mountain of the Lord and the rock of Israel. Mount Zion is described as a place where Yahweh, the God of Israel, dwells. It's the place where he is king. So if the Lord is telling me to come up from the dust to come up from there. I don't belong there. He seated me in a place of honor because I'm a daughter of the king. He's held me captive and he's not going to let me go. He's going to do whatever it takes to hold on to me and to keep me his. And I live in Zion. I live in a place of freedom. That means I can reside in the place of freedom, a place of defense, a stronghold, a fortress made by God. It is a place of refuge. There is safety and security in Zion. It's a place of favor. It's a place of blessing. It's a place of refreshing. It's a place where joy is mine. It belongs to me. In the New Testament, Mount Zion is used metaphorically to refer to the heavenly Jerusalem, God's holy eternal city. It is the new Jerusalem ascended from heaven. And Isaiah prophesied in 2816, and he says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious stone cornerstone a sure foundation whoever believes will not act hastily that means that Jesus is the cornerstone Jesus is found in Zion Jesus is Zion he's the foundation the solid rock on which I stand and he who believes in him need never be shaken If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to be worried. You don't have to be shaken. There is firm foundation in your relationship with the Lord. You can trust that whatever you're going through, it's all right. If you're a blood-bought Christian, then you're in Zion. The Lord is taking care of you. Your hope and your peace rest in Jesus Isaiah 35 and 10 says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Once again, I am no longer a slave to sin, but I am a captive to the king. Joy is mine. Gladness is mine. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I can be happy and I can rejoice because I've been ransomed by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human could he be, only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Now, whatever you have fear of, Jesus has already overcome it. Jesus has already conquered that thing. You don't have to worry about it. Jesus came and he died by the way of the cross and he took all power from the enemy. It was in the garden of Gethsemane that Jesus prayed 
Father, let, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Then he went to Calvary and he partook of the cup. He drank of the cup by the way of crucifixion. And in that cup was my sin. And in that cup was your sin. And in that cup was every sin that you can possibly think of. We can stand here and name them and go on and on and on. It doesn't matter. Sin is sin. But he partook of the cup and he drank of the cup on Calvary. You don't have to be afraid. It was on the third day that Jesus arose, still covered in bloodstains. On the third day, covered in bloodstains, he went down to hell and he stripped the keys of the kingdom and all authority and power from the evil one. That is why Satan seeks to displace you today in order to regain the authority that Jesus stripped from him. Ephesians 2 and 13 says, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10 and 19, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. That means without hesitation that I can walk right up to God in the holy place. Jesus has declared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. Hebrews 2.14 says, Because God's children... I already read that. This is what I want you to know. It is the shed blood of Jesus Christ that breaks the power of the devil. It is the shed blood of Jesus Christ that heals all sickness and disease. It is the shed blood of Jesus that conquers temptation. It's the blood of Jesus that conquers death, hell, and the grave. It's the blood that overcomes it's the blood that washes away sin and remembers it no more. The blood of Jesus still sets men and women free today. The blood of Jesus is the atomic bomb against the works of the devil. The blood of Jesus has resurrection power. Your situation may seem dead and it may seem hopeless, but there is life through the blood of Jesus. I'm not really sure why the Lord wanted me to share this testimony but I'm going to share it, and it's my salvation testimony. I will never forget. The Lord has been reminding me all weekend about salvation and the blood of Jesus and what that means to me. It was on a Saturday. I was raised Pentecost. I knew the power of Pentecost. I was raised in a full-blown Pentecostal church. In my teenage years, I strayed away from the Lord, but I was not quite 21 years old yet. Not very many years ago. <laughs> and um, it was on a set. My life was a wreck. My life was a wreck. My mind was in a bad place. I had a three, almost three-year-old little boy. And it was not a good situation. It was not a good situation. And I was desperate. And I felt lonely. I felt all alone. And there was no help for me. There was no help for me outside of Jesus. And it was on a Saturday morning. And I got in my car. And I drove to my sister's house. And I pulled up in the driveway. And I honked the horn. And she came to the door in her house coat. And I said, come get in my car. And she's like, but I'm not dressed. I said, come get in my car. Sometimes I can be a little bossy. And uh, she came and got in my car. It was unusual for me to do something like that. So she got in my car and we went down the road and I just pulled onto the first gravel road that I saw. And I pulled right up in the middle of that gravel road and I put that car in park. And I started telling her all about my troubles and my sorrows. And I'll never forget this weekend. I'll never forget this weekend. And she said, come with me to church in the morning. She said, just give God a chance. That's all I needed to hear. Give God a chance. Four words. She said, give God a chance. I said, okay, fine. I'll come with you. I went to church that next morning. I went to a little church on the corner of Ninth and Cedar. And I sat in the back. 
And I sat there and the praise and worship began and I sat there and tears were just streaming down my face because I knew that morning I went to church with purpose. I went to church with the intention of rededicating my life back to the Lord. I knew that when I left there that day, I was going to be a changed woman. And it was during praise and worship and we were standing there and I looked at her and I said, will you go with me? And she said, yes. And I stepped out. And the moment I stepped out, I believe the Lord started washing me. I believe he started cleaning me up. The moment I stepped out, I had to walk that long aisle to get to the front. But the moment that I stepped out, Jesus started a work in me. And the word says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I tasted Jesus that day and I've never gone back and I've never regretted it. So I'm going to tell you if there is one if there is but one here tonight that has not accepted Christ today is the day today is the day of salvation today is the day that you will leave here changed today is the day that you will not go home the same person as you walk through those doors tonight hallelujah that is why I sing. That is why I worship. That is why I stand over here. And sometimes I might get a little radical, but that's all right. If that offends you, you just turn your head and you just act like you never saw it. But I'm telling you, if you don't like worship, don't sit by me because that's I cannot not ever worship. I cannot worship because you don't know my story. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what it took for me to get to that little white church on Ninth and Cedar that Sunday morning. But I know what it took. I know my story. And I know the delivering power of Jesus Christ. I know what he done for me. Was it all better after that day? Nope. No. Was it a journey? Yes. Is it still a journey? Yes. But I have faith in Jesus and I know that because he delivered me once, he'll do it again. And he done it twice and he'll do it again. He kept doing it and he kept doing it. And I stand here before you today knowing and declaring the power of God and the power of the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, I was a sinner saved by grace. And when the enemy comes against me today, and he does. But when he does, I take him back to Calvary. I say, I remind him of the blood. But the blood of Jesus says, that's what I do. That's what I have to do. That's what you have to do. When the enemy tells me that I'm not going to make it, I just remind him of the blood. When the enemy tells me that I'm going to lose or I can't do this. I just remind him about the blood. When the enemy comes against my children and my grandchildren, I remind him of the blood. I remind him of Calvary. I remind him of who he's talking to and who he's talking about because I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the King of Glory, who was, who is, and is to come. And there is no power in hell that is greater than Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For you know that God paid a ransom. Praise the name of Jesus. He paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Jesus brought me out of Egypt, and he will bring you out too. It's the blood of Jesus that set me free. It's the blood of Jesus that has rescued me from the pit of despair. It is the blood of Jesus that covers me and allows me to live in victory. When I think about what the blood of Jesus has done for me, I can't help but get happy. I can't help but get excited. 
There is power in the blood of Jesus. There's resurrection power in the blood of Jesus. Revelations 12 and 11 says, and they overcame him. They overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb. And my question to you tonight, what do you need to overcome? What's holding you back? What chains are strapping you down around your neck that you need to come up here? You got to walk it out just like the Israelites did. And you got to come up here and you got to take it off and leave it right here and not pick it back up. Let me tell you something. There is chain breaking anointing power in this house tonight. You don't have to leave here the way you came. So tonight, if you musicians would like to come, please come. I believe the Lord wants to do a work in your life. I believe, I believe what he done for me, he wants to do for you. He doesn't seat me any higher than he does you. I'm seated in honor. You are seated in honor. If you don't know Jesus, will you stand please? If you don't know Jesus, if you've never said the prayer, Lord, forgive me of my sins, I invite you to come right now. Right now. Don't be ashamed. Every single one of us has had to walk this road. Every single one of us has had to walk this aisle somewhere, sometime. But the moment you make that decision, just like I did, when you take that step, it's about a decision, really. It's about making the decision. When you take that step out, Jesus is already there. He's already there. When you come, you will be met with nothing less than an abundance of love. We love you. We want to embrace you. We want to hug you. We want to pray with you. You may have been in church your whole life and never prayed the prayer. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to come. Hallelujah to your name, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That was the first invitation. Now I'm going to invite you. If you've got some things that you need to leave up here, please come. Don't take that home with you. Don't go home weighted down, beat down with those chains around your neck. You don't have to. You don't have to. There is freedom for you in this house tonight. There is freedom for you. You don't have to stay down here. That's not your purpose. That's not where you're going to live your best life. That's not where you're going to find freedom and joy and gladness and singing. God's purpose is for you to be seated up here in honor. So I invite you to come and lay those things down. We all have to do that from time to time. The Samaritan woman when she encountered Christ, she left her jar because she couldn't run back into the city carrying a heavy jar. She had to leave something behind. The disciples had to leave their fishing nets. What do you need to leave behind? That's what I'm asking you tonight. I'm asking you, come here. Let the Lord do a work in you. Meet Jesus here. I invite you to come pray. I invite you to come pray. Tonight is the night to overcome. Tonight is the night to overcome. Thank you, Jesus.
there's, there's one other group of people that I want to talk to real quick. The Lord has revealed to me The Lord has revealed to me that there is someone here tonight that is contemplating suicide. I know there is. And the Lord wants to set you free of that tonight. That is a spirit that has come against your mind. That is a spirit. You are a threat to the enemy. You might think that there's no hope for you. You might think nothing's going to change. You might think, what's the point? I have no purpose. I have no destiny. But let me tell you something. Jesus says different. I know. I know there's, there may be several, but I know that there is because I lost sleep over you last night. Jesus gave his life for you. I only lost sleep. And if you're struggling with that, if you are struggling with that spirit, you get up here. Do not leave here with that tonight. You expose the enemy. No one around you may know that you struggle with that. Your family might not have any clue or any idea that you're struggling with that spirit. But that's what it is. It is a spirit. It is not your emotions. It is not your own thought process. It is a spirit. And you may not have revealed that or exposed that to anyone else. But the Holy Spirit has exposed that spirit tonight. It is real. And we have the authority through the blood of Jesus to come against that spirit and you don't have to carry that thing around anymore. You don't have to carry that thing around your neck anymore that's weighing you down, that's lying to you. Let me tell you something. If you're in a situation that seems and feels hopeless, that situation is under the influence of a lie. The father of lies that is not of God. There is freedom in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to your sons and daughters. We thank you, God, that you reveal the enemy, that you expose the enemy, that your sons and daughters might live free, Lord, might live a free, blessed life, God. We glorify you tonight. We give you honor, Lord. We give you thanks for your faithfulness, God. Blessed be the name of Jehovah. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Oh, hallelujah to your name. Lord, I come against that spirit of suicide. I thank you that you love your sons and daughters enough to bring it to light. I thank you that you love us enough to not leave us in our, our dirt, Lord. To not leave us, Lord, in those places, God, of hardships, Lord. Those places, God, that the enemy has set before us, Lord. Hallelujah to your name, God. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah. I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that you made a way, Lord, to conquer the enemy, Lord, for us, God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus.
unravel me with the melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Your love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. While we're standing here, the Lord began to lay on my heart something very heavy. There's somebody in the house tonight, and I want you to listen to the instruction of the Lord. You've kind of been battling something, and you have had a testimony of an overcomer, and you, everybody's looked at you, and they're excited about your new life, and you're excited about your new life. But along the bumps of life, you've kind of picked something up that you shouldn't have picked up. 
The Lord showed me a little package and it's got weed in it. And you've got it tucked away and hid away and you're so embarrassed, but yet you keep going back to that bag and it's a, it's a stronghold, it's a chain. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that you don't have to make anything public here tonight. You've done made your salvation public. You're a child of God and you're struggling with that. And he said to go home, commit it to the Lord, and you have been doing that. But then he said, pour it to the wind or it'll be scattered or you'll never pick it up again. And as you do, the chain will be broken and you'll have no desire for it ever again because I want to deliver you, saith the Lord. God's fixing to deliver somebody from a stronghold in their life. But you got to obey the presence of the Lord. It's not always making things open and all of that. God's given you a chance to do it privately. And then the Lord said, there'll come a day that you'll feel uh, honored to be able to give your testimony. There was a preacher one time read my mail. I was in the service and I went home and done what he said. And ever since that day, I've never had to smoke weed again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The greatest high that you'll ever have is in obedience and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Isn't this marvelous what the Lord's doing on a Sunday night? Hallelujah. Every message is so timely. There's certain people that need certain things and God knows how to set them up. God has set me up before he's ever set you up before. How many enjoyed Sister Rhonda's ministry tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, the next time I call her, I'm not going to give her over a week to prepare. Now, weeks... Jesus says it's a short time. I'm going to call her like on a Saturday night and say, you're preaching tomorrow night, honey. Amen. That's being instant in season and out of season. Hallelujah. She said that when she got saved, she was almost 20 years old. That's been some time ago. and It's been about 40 years ago. I said that because uh, Kathy's her older sister. Amen. We so much love you. We so much love what the grace of God is doing in this altar. Can you celebrate with those that are celebrating right now? Celebrate with those that's celebrating. Amen. We've had altar workers that's mourning with those that mourn. Now, before we are dismissed, celebrate Jesus Christ. Celebrate him. Come on, we're going to celebrate him. Hallelujah. Amen. Our altar workers are gonna be down here with these that are here being ministered to by the grace of God. We're just gonna let them continue to enjoy the presence of God and we'll be with them as long as needful. We want you to turn around and shake someone's hand. Tell them you're glad to have them in the service. Tell them you love them in Jesus' name and God bless you.